You're listening to an encore presentation of Faith and Family. Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm your host, Andy Bates. Today, we're going to deal with, uh, we're going to talk about parents' fears and all the things that that parents might struggle with in terms of fears. We're going to talk with therapist Janine Liebman about uh, how to cope with those fears. What do we do with those fears when we have them? So we're going to talk about that. Joining me in studio today, Janine Liebman, a therapist and uh, serving as EAP counselor and consultant with H&H Health Associates and a returning guest to uh, Faith and Family. Janine, great to have you back in studio today. Hi, Andy. Thanks. It's good to be back. I think last year, about this time, we were talking about uh, coping with uh, the holiday blues and mm-hmm. uh, some great and, and, and helpful uh, tips and, and insights uh, as, as we were dealing with that. And uh, now thinking about um, with uh, some of the things that, that, that parents fear. Uh, just yesterday, we talked about uh, you know the, the school shooting. And um, uh, right as we were having that conversation, there was a simulation going on. Uh, an armed intruder simulation going on right at the the high school right next door. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so just thinking about that as a parent, uh, while my child is not in school yet, um, thinking, man... I'm afraid, you know, for the the world that my son is growing up in and going all the things that he's going to encounter. And I uh, recently came across a, a helpful article from the National Fatherhood Initiative, too, on dealing with uh, fears for your children. Chris Brown, the uh, president of National Fatherhood Initiative, um, presented the, the, the questions and, and some ideas and, and thoughts on how to respond to that. So I thought it would make for a good conversation today. Now, you're a parent as well. Right. And uh, ever, ever have fears when uh, raising your kids? I I think all of us have fears for our kids. I think probably at some point, all of us have that moment where we wake up in the middle of the night in a panic with our hearts beating hard, and we just can't stop worrying and thinking about whatever it is that we're worried for with our kids. So if you haven't had that yet, you probably will as a parent. Um, I I just think it goes with parenting. Um, It's impossible to avoid being afraid as a parent. Absolutely. And I think for some of us, it even starts the moment we find out that we're going to be parents, Mm -hmm. you know, that we are parents that uh, we're expecting a, a, a child and um, it, it for fathers those worries may be different than for mothers but right. uh, some of them I'm sure are very similar thinking how how are we going to provide for this child and what what are they going to be what are they going to need what if they have special needs all these questions mm-hmm. that, that go through our our minds and uh, we begin to worry mm-hmm. what um, what happens? You know, how do we deal with that worry? Uh, you know, I was, I was referring to those those early days when you find out that you're going to have a child. Then come the school years, uh, and many of us send our children off to school, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to encounter the rest of the world. And we start developing anxiety and fear about uh, all the numerous things that they're going to face while we're apart. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably when many fears happen, is when we're apart from children, from our children. Um it, we can't control what's going to happen. And I think that that's, that's where anxiety stems from is we recognize that we cannot control. And, and you, mm-hmm. you mentioned that you use the word expectations from the moment that we learn we're expecting a child. We have expectations. Mm-hmm. And so we would love to see all these expectations come to fullness. 
but we cannot control so much, not only in our own lives, but in our children's lives. And what we find is that we may have this beautiful little baby who (laughs) seems like we can do everything for them, but pretty quickly we realize they have their own will, they have their own personality, they have their own desires and wishes, and they're a little sinful person just like we are. And so Mm -hmm. we can't control our children And not only that, but we can't control the world around us. Like you mentioned, we are listening to and watching all these terrible stories, um, especially right now. And and so we realize the the very little amount of control we do have. And I think that's where that anxiety comes from. When when uh, when counseling um, individuals or maybe couples has this come up? And I I know with parents, do, do parents come to you and say, we're just worried about little Johnny and uh, what happens when he's at school or what happens when he's with someone else. Uh, does this happen? In, in, all the time, you know? all the time. And it's not only when your kids, when their kids are little, but I have had um, adults who are in their fifties and sixties and seventies come in and talk about how worried they are about mm-hmm. their grown children. Um, so I, this is something that I think is universal and it's so important for us to, I think, talk about it because number one, uh, it affects our parenting choices and decisions. Mm. If I'm afraid all the time and I'm reacting out of fear, I'm going to make different choices for my kids mm. yeah. um, than if I know how to manage that fear. And the, and the other reason it's so important is that how we deal with our fear and anxiety, that is observed by our kids and that's picked up by them. And they learn so much more from what we do than what we say. And that mm. can be those can be lifelong lessons that they carry with them. So it's really important that we as parents learn how to deal with our fears in a healthy way. So how I react to uh, dangerous or negative things uh, in our environment, in our world, uh, our son is picking up on that mm-hmm. and learning those those things even right now. Um, and, and more so as a as a like a elementary school age child really picking up on those things. Um, then comes the fear of sending them off to college or mm-hmm. off into their, their first career, off to live on their own. Um, and as you said, uh, adults, uh, 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 adults with adult children, you know, in their, in their fifties or, or so fearing for their children's lives when, the, when they're out of the house mm-hmm. and, and worried about what's going on with them, what's happening with them. And yet we probably, you know, as children, we still learn from our parents how they respond Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, to those fears, to the, those those things that that frighten them, some top fears uh, that that parents face today, primarily talking about younger children uh, mm-hmm. to begin with. Here, some of those those top fears, uh, and and I, I uh, read the list from the, that Chris Brown uh, shared with us in uh, his report in the Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the top things: childhood obesity bullying, smoking, alcohol abuse, drug and substance abuse, child abuse and neglect, internet safety and teen pregnancy were among the the top things on a list from a national poll uh, that that parents worry or have fears about. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting, childhood obesity on the top of that list. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I've read other lists too, and it is always, it seems to be always in the top five that Mm -hmm. people are worried about their children's weight. And, you know, that's one of those issues that actually you as a parent can do something about because Mm -hmm. you are your child's first role model. And so what you do in regards to food and health and exercise and taking care of your body, your kids see that. And for the first probably 10, 15 years, 
years of their life, you're the one that makes those food choices for them, what you buy, what you mm-hmm. keep in the house. Um, mm-hmm. And so you really do have an opportunity to influence them in terms of establishing healthy eating habits and healthy living habits early on. And it's not the do as I say, not as I do right. that they learn from. It's the, the what you do. It, you, just as you said earlier, they they learn from our actions probably more so than they do from our words, especially if our words don't match up with our actions. Absolutely. So what you, what you buy, how you eat when you, when you go out, if you go out, how frequently you go out and, mm-hmm. and what you're, you're eating when you go out, uh, what you keep around in the house and, and how you, what is your relationship with food? Right. Because it can become a problem the other way. You can mm-hmm. be so obsessed with mm-hmm. your weight that people can develop very unhealthy eating habits mm-hmm. in terms of restricting and uh, becoming very unhealthy um, in the efforts to to stay thin. And mm-hmm. so exactly establishing those healthy eating habits and, and uh, lifestyle choices early on, that's one mm-hmm. of the best things you can do to protect your child from those issues later in life. Have you seen the uh, the recent commercial? Uh, I think it's Weight Watchers has commercial, and it's I think most of it's sung about uh, eat. Uh, it's about basically about eating your emotions, oh, eating no, according not, to your emotions. But it's, it's that's very true for a lot of people. <laughs> it's it's so true. Uh, you know, eat when you're happy. It says, and then mm-hmm. then it's eat when you're sad. Eat when you're angry. <laughs> and that's really kind of what our culture has led us right. to do. And we teach those things to our children. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so you know, I've just had a rough day. I'm gonna have half of this chocolate cake. Right. And, and, you know, tied in with that, you know, one of the other fears you mentioned is alcohol and substance abuse. Mm. Well, that's another thing Mm -hmm. that we as parents can model when our children are early. You know, do we come home and when we're stressed out, we say, oh, I just need a drink or Mm -hmm. I just need to take my pill to calm down. I mean, there's a lot of things that we do that our kids are always watching us. And Mm -hmm. so how we... How we handle our stress and our fears, again, they're, they're going to pick up so much from what we do, sure. even more than what we say. So healthy ways, well, well let, let, let's, we'll get to healthy solutions here for fears in, in, in just a moment. When we have fears, you know, we talked about uh, lifestyle choices, you know, eating and, and uh, alcohol abuse and drug abuse and, and smoking, those types of things really pertain to, uh, you know, healthy choices for us. Mm-hmm. But things that we really have little to no control over, bullying that our, mm-hmm. our child may encounter at school, um, child abuse and neglect from another caregiver, um, Internet safety, we certainly have some control over, uh, and and teen pregnancy. Those were some of the others in the the, mm-hmm. the top of the list there. I think uh, bullying or violence uh, mm-hmm. that they might encounter uh, outside, you know, when they're away from home, is probably a fear that that many parents uh, encounter. Um, how how do we deal with this fear? Is can there certainly? I'm sure there's a, a, a an unhealthy way to deal with this fear. Mm -hmm. Are there healthy ways to deal with it as well? How can it be useful? Well, and certainly bullying does top the lists Mm -hmm. for for a lot of parents. And, you know, you read the statistics on it and one in seven children is bullied at some point throughout their their childhood. Um, Only one in seven? It it does sound kind of low, doesn't it? I would think it would be much higher. how you define bullying. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, um, you know, we can focus as parents on how do I protect my children Mm -hmm. from every bad thing that could possibly happen to them. Or we could realize and acknowledge that, you know what, bad things happen in life. And I don't mind necessarily, not that I want bad things to happen to my children, but 
I need to teach them. My job is to teach them how to deal with those bad things when they do happen. You know, if we think that bullying ends when a person is 18 and they never have to face another bully in their life, we're we're really living in a fantasy. You know, the reality is people are going to treat us badly throughout life. People are going to take advantage of us. Mm -hmm. People are going to be mean or abusive or hateful to us. And so if we can teach our kids, you know, when this happens to you, this is how you handle it. This is how you stand up for yourself. This is how you set some boundaries, some healthy boundaries. Um, this is how you work on overcoming and moving forward and forgiving, um, those kind of things. So we change our focus mm-hmm. from being a helicopter parent to protect, trying to protect them from every bad thing in life to how do I help my child face the real world that they are going to live in? I think that that can be tremendously helpful in mm-hmm. in calming us as parents and helping us deal with our own fears. Get that under control so that we can focus on what our kids truly need. I can imagine for some that would be a, a, a tough balance mm-hmm. because you, you certainly at a young age, you don't want your child to encounter every evil that right. there is out there in the world. You you want to have some sort of balance in, in, in terms of uh, regulating how much they encounter. And, and that, I guess, comes with uh, what they see, first of all, what they see on uh, TV and the internet and, and in movies, um, regulating that to some degree. But you don't necessarily have a whole lot of control about what happens outside the home other than determining where, you know, having a say over where your child goes when they're outside the home. Right. And, you know, let's take let's take the child abuse, because a lot of parents do fear their children being abused or neglected. Um, And, you know, it can help to arm yourself with the real facts. Mm -hmm. Again, what we hear in the news is these sensational stories, Mm -hmm. um, because that's what that's what is is driven by ratings. Mm -hmm. And so we need to look past the sensational headlines Mm -hmm. and we need to get the real facts. And the real facts in terms of child abuse are that by far the vast majority of children who are abused are abused by people who who are in their families or their loved ones. And so, yes, we need to do what we can, obviously, to protect them, um, put mm-hmm. them in safe environments. Sure. But you, we can't always protect them from people in their families. But what we can do is teach our children and to... Uh, tell us mm-hmm. right away, you know, I somebody did this to me or somebody said this or they touched me in this way and I, I didn't know what to do. It made me uncomfortable. I can't tell you how many adults have come to me in my practice um, and they tell me stories of abuse as children and they the first time it happened, they were abused or molested. They went to a parent and the parent ignored them or the parent said, well, we're not going to talk about that. They covered it up or mm. they didn't deal with it. I mean, uh, uh, an incident like that one incident is is a tragedy and it needs to not happen but can you imagine when that happens repeatedly because mm-hmm. when you they went to their parents you never learned how to deal with that mm-hmm. um, and so so there are things that we can do we can't always prevent somebody doing something bad to our child but what we can teach them is you come and talk to us and we will listen to you and we will deal with it we're not going to look the other way we're not going to allow other people to treat us this way so it's important to communicate, uh, to help your children know that they can bring anything. They can come to you and tell you anything and you're going to listen. You're going to take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They know, need to know that you are a safe person and that they can say whatever they need to say and you will listen to them. Mm-hmm. Listen and, 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 and ask questions to, mm-hmm. to, to learn more. But uh, the key part, uh, it sounds like what you're saying is the, the important thing is that uh, they need to know that they're going to be heard. Yes, and, and that you will do whatever mm-hmm. whatever you need to do to to help them be safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that's important. So, 
how can can fears be useful when when we're afraid of something when we have fears can it be useful can it be useful to motivate us or provoke us to do something that's good Absolutely. Any emotion. I mean, the root of, of the word emotion is to motivate. Mm-hmm. And so any emotion can be used um, to motivate us to do something. So I do talk about uh, about anxiety with my clients who really struggle with it. And, and I talk about the difference between worry and concern. Um, you know, when you're faced with a situation that is a problem or uh, creates fear, um, you can do two things with it. One is you can look at it um, and say, okay, what are the parts that I can do something about. Mm-hmm. What do I have control over here? Um, we always have control over our own response. Um, sometimes there are certain things we can do. We might need to change some situations, um, change some environments, change some people in our lives, change some behaviors. So where can mm-hmm. I make change? That's legitimate concern to think about those things and to do what you can. But then there's those parts of the situations that we have no control over. Mm-hmm. We have no control over other people's responses. We have no control over some of these big things that happen in our society or, or accidents things like that, illnesses and disease. If it's something that we can't control, we need to let go of that. We can't sit and dwell on it and hang on to it. That's just needless worry. And so that's one thing we can do is to really teach ourselves what's the difference between being concerned and taking action and just sitting and and pointlessly Mm -hmm. dwelling on something beyond my control. Um, It's a good lesson for for us to learn as adults and and for us to teach our kids. What happens when... When we needlessly worry, what does that then do? What does that turn into down the road? That turns into a big mess, doesn't it? If if we, I mean, you know, when is when is worry unhealthy and dangerous? I mean, that is what drives people not only into counselor's offices, but it drives them into their doctor's offices. I've, I've seen many people go to the emergency room with uh, heart palpitations mm-hmm. and uh, shallow breathing and sweating, and they thought they were having a heart attack, and it was panic. Mm. Um, so, you know, yes, absolutely, worry left unchecked can lead to a host of physical, psychological, emotional, and relational problems. Um, so some signs that you, you really need to get some help are um, if you're not able to function you're not able to do the things that you know you need to do anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not able to get out and go to work and focus on work when you're there. You're not sleeping well. You know, you just can't get to sleep or you're restless and toss and turn. You're not eating anymore or mm-hmm. all you want to do is eat. Like you mentioned earlier, that's we're feeding I don't think mine's, mine's not rooted in fear. So. Um, so that kind of stuff or where we just feel stuck. I mean, so many people come to me and they say, I'm just stuck. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's a point. That's Those are all warning signs that you really need to go and talk to somebody outside of yourself who, who can help you maybe give you a fresh approach or an objective perspective. Um, maybe you do need some medical help at that time. Um, but those are signs, you know, when, when you really don't know what to do anymore and, and you can't make the changes that you need to make or you can't just function in your daily mm-hmm. life. And and looking at that specifically as a, a parent, when, when we as, as parents encounter that type of uh, the, that type of fear or that when when fear has, has gone that far in our lives, our children are picking up on that too. Absolutely. They're so sensitive to parents' emotions. Um, it's amazing how it, early, early on, two, three years old, they can really pick up, even even younger than that, uh, they can uh, yeah, understand the tone of mm-hmm. what's being said before they can understand the words being said. Kids do pick up on that. 
So when when we start to encounter fear and we realize and, and we we take some time to look through it, maybe uh, bringing uh, you know employing the the help of a, a professional, a reputable professional. Um, to, to help us think through, am I worried about things that I don't have control over or are there things that I have control over that I can make, you know, make some efforts to, uh, to help alleviate these fears? That's one thing. But if, if it's just totally out of control or you think you're kind of on the edge, it, it's a good idea to, to definitely get the help of a, a licensed professional, a, mm-hmm. a, a mental health professional to, to help you work through those things so that you and your family can be healthy. Right, right. Or talking to other parents. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the idea of like mentoring Mm -hmm. where an older couple who has gone through raising teenagers, (laughs) maybe launching them out of the house. It can be so valuable Mm -hmm. to sit down and talk with people who've walked that path before you and just learn from them. So, you know, wherever you can find that kind of support, whether it's formal or informal, Mm -hmm. I encourage parents to do that. You know, MOPS groups are wonderful Mm -hmm. to get mothers of preschoolers together and usually with an older mother who's been through that. And so they can really learn what's normal and what's not. Do I need to be concerned about this? Um, It's so helpful to realize Mm -hmm. we're not alone in this to get support. Even I remember just one Sunday, uh, our son had like some sort of rash or something like that. And I think we showed him to probably four different moms (laughs) at church and they're like, oh no, it's, it's, it's nothing big. And and sure enough, it was nothing big in the end. But you know, as new parents, we were both like, we were both worried, you know, oh no, is this something that's contagious? Are we making everybody sick? And all the other moms, they didn't care. They're all just looking. No, we do have to be careful, though, not to go to the other extreme end where you seek out professional advice. I mean, obviously, all the Internet sites where you can right. check out my child's coughing. What does this mean? Or even sometimes and I, I have a lot of friends who are in the health profession and sometimes, uh, you know, doctors or nurses who work in hospitals, they see the worst case scenarios. Sure. So I've had I've had this happen where I've I had questions about my young children's sicknesses and I go to a nurse friend and she tell me all the things that might <laughs> Be, and I was terrified. Um, and so you really, you just need to, again, take with a grain of salt, okay, get the professional advice, mm-hmm. look it up, talk to other parents. But in the end, you know, you can't, you can't simply blindly trust everybody else. You, you, you have to also rely on your instincts as a parent. You know your child better than anyone else does. Um, and so it, it's, again, that, that balance of seek support, seek advice, mm-hmm. seek expert opinion and, and also listen to yourself and trust yourself. So using those those resources in a, in a uh, balanced sort of way, using those resources, the people around you and uh, using them. Uh, we're almost out of time. Anything else that you want to share with us today in terms of dealing with fear uh, that parents might have? Any other points that, that we didn't get to? I know we're uh, our conversation went so quickly. <laughs> But I, I found it helpful as a parent, very helpful. I, you know, I think just, you know, as a Christian parent to remember that these children are not ours. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I frequently have to tell parents who come into my office, you know, you can't take all the credit and you can't take all the blame. You know, you're, you're not the one that made your child this great superstar. Mm-hmm. If, if your child's doing great, that's right. because God put those gifts and abilities mm-hmm. and you, you know, you looked for opportunities and you yeah. shaped. And so you're part of that, but you can't take all the credit. But at the same time, you can't take all the blame when, you know, you we've all seen these families where mm-hmm. great families, but a kid chooses to go the wrong way. You can't beat yourself up with guilt and take all the blame either. We mm-hmm. got to realize these kids are each made individual, unique mm-hmm. Uh, people.
people and they have a path that they need to go. Our job is to do the best we can with what we have. And we may be key in shaping um, them and that that path. We may be key shapers of that, but uh, we're not alone in that. There's certainly right. so many other forces, uh, good and bad, that, that are part of shaping that. Janine Liebman, therapist and uh, EAP cons- counselor and consultant with H&H Health Associates. Thanks so much for being our guest today on Faith and Family. Great to talk with you again. Thanks, Andy. You I feel too. much better now. <laughs> You've been listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. Or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.